Uh, it's interesting when we talk about the diaspora, you know, talent, leaving Milwaukee, we talk about brain drain, and many people take their gifts and talents elsewhere. And what we often hear is, get out of Milwaukee, period. That's, that's the end of the sentence. It's not get out of Milwaukee and go do something and come back. Get out of Milwaukee, build your skill set, and then come back and share it. Get out of Milwaukee, learn something new, and leave your fingerprint. We typically hear, get out of Milwaukee, period. Well, the thing that I really love about this space with John Ridley uh, is that he decided to say, you know what? I mean, I physically live here, but my family's here, and I'm going to leave my fingerprint here and come back and return to really build a space. And that's a, a, a common phrase now, like create spaces. But how can we create a space where individuals who are creative in whatever aspect, writers, thinkers, filmmakers, artists, musicians, and the like, speakers, educators, right? You gotta be creative as educators for those educators in the room. Uh, you are creative, and this is a space that was brought back to Milwaukee for all of us to really build from and build that network. Uh, so Lisa's here as a representative from Amish here, but let's give them a hand clap again for investing in Milwaukee. <laughs> So we definitely want to really give a pitch and a shout out and an opportunity to help you all understand that this is you know, something you become a member of. So if that's something you're interested in doing, by all means, you know, go to those studios' website, talk with Lisa, uh, get a tour of the space to figure out what's here and what's to come. So while that's my basement, so you can't go in there unless I say so, upstairs is going to be my party room. Okay. For all my holiday parties and get-togethers, uh, but definitely want to make sure that you all are very familiar with the space and, and brag about it. Tell everybody else what's going on within the city. But today, they've given us a platform to brag about Frank Lewis. Frank from Milwaukee, still in Milwaukee, and garnering support from Milwaukee. And that's clearly displayed by all of you who are in here that show a full spectrum of backgrounds, uh, professions, support, familiarity with Frank, uh, and what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, so at this particular time, here's what we'll do. We're actually going to bring a panel of individuals who encountered Frank at some point in this book to talk about what this book has actually meant for them. And then after we have the panel come up, we're going to have Frank come up and have an opportunity to share with you his vision regarding Omari, and we'll give you an opportunity to have a Q&A with both the panel and the Q&A with Frank. So if you've got questions that are more directed for Frank, uh, hold those until he comes up, but we'll bring a panel of individuals up to just share their backgrounds uh, as well as what they believe uh, Omari can mean and do in the city of Milwaukee. So it's not leave Milwaukee, period. It's Leave Milwaukee if that's your case for school, but come back. If you leave Milwaukee, leave your fingerprint here. Otherwise, as I often say, what are we left with? What are we left with? Uh, so, that being said, I'll stop preaching. And I'll get our panel up. So, I'm going to introduce our panelists who are distinguished and uh, show a full spectrum of 
gender, race, but a commonality in education and a desire to really transform the city of Milwaukee. Coming up first, uh, and you better clap for this one, you know, I'm not going to tell you why. Miss Robin Johnson. <clears throat> Some of you know I think you better clap. Others may not be able to find out later. But Miss Robin Johnson is an instructional coach. You've got to stand right here. I'm doing it different. Instructional coach for Milwaukee Public Schools at George Washington Carver Academy. She's an alumnus of MPS. Her career in education spans over 16 years as an early childhood education teacher, master teacher, and now an instructional coach. She has served in private, charter, and public schools in both high performing and turnaround environments. Robin is a school that can Earth Fellow with, yeah, with principal licensure and holds a Master of Administration of Leadership from Alberto College. Let's give her a hand clap. <laughs> Next up, Mr. Paul Holger. You can clap for him too. Come on. Some thoughts we had an opportunity to prep 
and just really vibe and, and create uh, camaraderie with uh, each other. And all three of them, interestingly enough, share a commonality in that they all are professionally involved in education. They serve Milwaukee Public Schools in some capacity. They all enjoy reading individually. And they all have had an opportunity to encounter Mr. Frank Lewis and this book, Omari. So for starters, I'd like to start with Ms. Robin and just ask, how did you get a copy of the book in your hands? And what do you plan to do with it? Well, um, first, uh, just showing that I met Frank, uh, I was actually his high school Sunday school teacher. So uh, that's how we encountered. And I didn't get a chance to talk with him much until um, he went off to college. And I heard that he was writing this book. So I really uh, wanted to connect back with him. We met up, bought the book from him. Uh, putting him out on social media, went to his book release event, uh, just did all these things and supported him. But uh, the one thing that I didn't realize is I didn't get the book. I never cracked the book open. So uh, I had it all this time, did all that support, but did not crack it open until uh, I actually started this school year. And I, as you said, I'm an instructional coach. And our leadership team said, uh, let's start doing enrichment with our students, our middle school students. And so with uh, enrichment, the leaders are leading, and I have a seven-day split as uh, my group. And I have 25 minutes a day. And as I have them, I'm like, what am I getting ready to do with a group of middle schoolers? Because if you've ever worked with middle school, you know it takes a lot to build their relationship, the relationship with them, and it also takes a lot of uh, time to build trust with them. So. Uh, the Spirit gave me to, to read the book, crack it open. So I actually got a chance to crack it open, read it with them, and it did exactly what I needed it to do, catching their attention, engaging them. Um, so much to the point where even students that were pretending that they weren't paying attention would actually shout out something uh, when they heard something that may have been either offensive to them, or they're like, wait, how did that happen? Or why did that happen? But it let me know that it engaged them. So that's how I got the book in my hand and actually cracked it open and read it and loved what it did. So that's how I got it. Mr. Paul? Oh, okay. Well, okay, so so I also I've known Frank since he was a teenager and also through a church connection over Rest Missionary Baptist Church. Uh, when Frank first went to college, um, I won't say that I was a mentor to him, but I would always give him encouraging words and as an English teacher, I was like, when I heard that he was a writer, fledgling writer, I was like, man, can you do it? Please do it. So when I found out he had the book, actually my wife had a copy of the book, and I never got it from her. I had to get my own copy from Frank, and he hand-delivered it to the BLMA office um, really just last month. And so even though I knew of the book for over a year, I didn't get to read it until very recently. So um, I got my own copy. I made him sign it for me tonight. And... Uh, <laughs> So yeah, so um, looking at the work that I do with Milwaukee Public Schools, trying to encourage uh, young men to write, we have just really quick aside, uh, Manhood Development Academy in four schools currently for our pilot year. And I just really see an opportunity uh, for this book to be in the hands of some reticent readers, some you know readers who may not necessarily be interested in what they normally get at school. And so I'm taking Robin's endorsement to heart, and I'm looking forward to putting the book in the hands of some young men that I work with. So, Mr. Dean, I can't say that I have a really long-term relationship with Frank, so that might make me stick out here. But um, 
Um, Chad and I have worked together in terms of doing some partnership work with the Bell R. Phillips School. And um, Chad said, there's someone you have to meet. And Frank is like this quiet storm of nature. And I was intrigued by the fact that um, he's in graduate school, but he's a published author. And we met and we talked. And I'm always looking for community folks um, to come into our space, you know, in a very unexpected space in the uh, Youth Justice Center and the school program. And Frank just jumped in with both feet after we met once, uh, came, visited, you know, came from some of our youth and, and spoke. And we are looking to get the, uh, the book into our collection because our scholars are robust readers. And that's probably something that Paul can speak to as well. I mean, to engage youth and dudes in this day and age of, of competing social media, um, and a little something called Fortnite. Um, <laughs> the pleasure of reading and immersing yourself in text um, is, is big. It's, it's more important than ever. And when you can have the author right there and the author can speak to Milwaukee, that's powerful. That's super powerful. Well, I, I actually have a, a copy of a post that I just saw a couple of days ago. So this organization named Schools at Penn Milwaukee actually put a post out by edutopia.org and the title of the article says a class library that represents all students. And you kind of alluded to some of this. And the quote says a good classroom library is full of books that students want to read, but a classroom library should also be a place where all students can readily find books they reflect their own families, cultures, and experiences. And so with that in mind, the genre of this book, Omari, is realistic fiction. And so there are quite a few themes that really reflect real life circumstances. And so not everybody in the room has read the book, and the goal is for everybody in here to at least encounter and read it. But without telling us the story, what are some of the themes and circumstances in this book that you think really reflect um, what youth in the city of Milwaukee and abroad uh, could really relate to? Right. I jotted some down because I, I didn't want to forget any, but just there are a lot of things that are in this. Like it's a short book, but it has so many things. Family dynamics, thinking about trauma, thinking about um, encounters with police, thinking about uh, destiny, thinking about, um, it, there's there's a whole list of them. But the one that stuck out the most to me, I would say, is uh, facade. And when I say facade, uh, thinking about our students and what they go through, there's three characters in the book that actually live that type of life where there's things really going on or in them or around them and they're not letting people know that. So without telling the story, just know that that's happening. And I'm thinking about our middle schoolers, high schoolers, every day they're walking around and they're living in a facade. They have a hard time saying I can be myself where I am without feeling like I'm too vulnerable. So I'll give uh, two quick examples of that just so you kind of understand what I mean. So just in my enrichment class, I have um, an eighth grader and I had them picking out Chromebooks and I said, uh, you know, Walk over, get your Chromebook, go on to your school program. We work on it, get your numbers up. 
she would not go to walk across the room to get her Chromebook. She said, no, I'm not doing it. I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm going to draw. And she would do that every day. I could not figure out why. But one day I had time with her by myself. And I asked her, what, what is it with the resilience? What's with the rebellion? Why is that? You're showing me somebody totally different right now. But she said, Ms. Johnson, they talk about my body. And so she would not get up to go and walk to get the Chromebook just because of the image. Remember, we talked about something. They're middle schoolers and high schoolers. They're going through body changes. They're going through all of it, thinking about sexuality, all of these things. And this is all in their mind. But then for someone to attack you that way, it makes you put up something. So it looked like it was rebellion. It looked like uh, resistance. But there was really an underlying root to why she couldn't get up. Something as simple as getting a Chromebook. And then there was another student um, when we were actually reading the book. Um, one of the topics that comes up is adoption. And um, the student says, oh, I know someone in, on my block that is adopted. His family's barely ever home. So he's coming over to our house and he eats. And he said, I invite him over. He gets a chance to do that. He was having a vulnerable moment connecting to the book, making those connections. And then another student says, man, if that was me, he'd be under my porch right now. I would not have him in my house eat any of my food. And that was literally his comment. And so the student that's, that gave that comment initially, he's one that gets in trouble a lot. But he had a moment where he felt like he could be vulnerable until that happened. And then it shut him down. So then he stopped doing, he stopped sharing. And yes, I did deal with both situations, but that's just examples of what our students go through every day. The things that we don't see or realize unless you take the time to look. So when I say facade, it's huge for them. So the book gave us a chance to be able to actually open up and talk about being you and being okay and comfortable in it. Oh, there's nothing left to say. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Really for me, working with uh, Black Latino male achievement, um, really finding, for me, just it's a coming of age story and I have to make myself not give away plot points, but there are um, definitely some ideas that, you know, that are typical kind of themes that we know young men can relate to, but what I really like about it is that there are some things that are a little bit outside of the norm or outside of that stereotypical view of urban youth that come through the book, like HBCUs and just different things that come out of the book. And so um, I was trying to figure out a way to like really, really, really explain what, what the book does. And so I found it in um, uh, Dr. Alfred Tatum, who we use a lot of his work. He's a, a professor at the University of Illinois, Chicago. And he talks about books for young men that are enabling texts, right? And in general, for young men in particular, especially young men of color, enabling texts are books that do four things. And I had to write this down, so I won't forget. But number one, promote a healthy psyche. And, and it does that. Because the protagonist in this book really, really has a moral center. And so the book does that, reflects awareness of the real world. There are very real things that take place in the book. Uh, focusing on the collective struggle of black people, the Omari really does consider his community as he's going through different situations in the book. And fourth, that the book serves as a roadmap for being, doing, thinking, and acting. So in other words, the young men can see themselves in this main character, Omari, and the characters that surround him and the things that go on. So for me, that's what really um, comes out in the book as, as being really valued. So just beyond those uh, urban texts that kind of support a victim 
mentality. Omari doesn't do that. It's about resilience and uh, alliance and self-determination. So those are the things that I really appreciate in the movie. Yeah. Oh, there's really nothing left to say. But I will say this. Um, there are some key pieces in the book, and especially later on, where um, you see the wisdom of the elders. And Omari opens himself up to a relationship that maybe initially uh, he shuns um, from an older gentleman. But um, it's that idea of how to connect with youth and people being, in terms like a credible messenger, you know, a mentor, you know, an elder, is someone who has lived some life experiences where empathy is there, respect is there, um, flat out love is there, and that is really what is needed when we talk about the spaces we create, especially for youth and uh, young men and young women. In the case of education, there has to be that spirit of care um, and love and commitment. And Mari finds that in this book. And, um, so that I, I was struck by that. When you, when you look at the cover of this book, you see a black male hooded. And you know, Paul mentioned one of the things uh, that he really appreciated was it doesn't necessarily stick with the traditional narrative, right, of, of victimization and whatnot. But I would ask for, this is open to anyone on the panel, you know, you look at this book cover and you see it and we all judge a book by its cover, pun intended. And I thought for a moment, what do you say to people who would look at this book cover and assume that it's only relevant for black folks? So based on your understanding, reading it, valuing it, you agree with folks that would assume that this book is really only for black kids. What do you say? Well, I can I can do it from the perspective of the work that I do. So I'm trying to do equity work within Milwaukee Public Schools. Um, it's a challenge. But um, so what I'll say is this, that um, it's not just for black males to read this book. It's not just for people of color to read this book. One of the things when we're talking about uh, cultural responsiveness and equity is that people who come from different backgrounds in their clientele need to immerse themselves in the experience of those people, right? So if I were a white female teacher, per se, and I didn't know how to relate to my students, a book like Omari might show me some of the thought processes that these young men have. And so definitely it's not just for black men, just because there's a young black man on the cover. You can, there's a lot to be learned from uh, indulging in experiences that aren't necessarily your own cultural experience. I agree, definitely. And I will say, even reading it as an adult that has not gone through these experiences, the same thing. Um, I would say it gives me more chance to relate to students that have gone through certain things because I can't just speak from my, from my own personal self, but I can say, hey, here may be an example of something that you can read or um, that I see that you can kind of relate or um, share. So uh, just thinking in that space, but then um, can you say your question again? Because there was something that I thought about and I, I lost that connection. No, it, it wasn't a scripted question. I mean, it was like, oh, no. So now you could be on the spot. <clears throat> 
reflect. So, y'all let me know if I was on point with repeating what I think I said. I said that this book has a black hood male. I'm on track so far? Yes, okay, good stuff. And, and so, as, as I thought about it, I said, you know, you could look at a book and just pigeonhole it and say, this is only for black kids, or just the black community. Uh, and so, just want to see how did you respond to people who would make that assumption about it. Um, no matter what race though you are in or background thinking of culture, people experience traumatic experiences. So, um, not just looking at one race, but saying there are people who are hurting when you think about uh, situations even in Milwaukee, what's happening in the world now. There are people, our students especially, are just going through traumatic experiences and they need something to be able to see um, that there's a possibility to come out of it on top still. Like you said, it's not a wounded story, it's not a, uh, there's tragedy, but at the end, you still see someone rise to the top. So I think that influences anyone who's going through any type of traumatic experiences. And then also, too, uh, thinking about Frank as an author, saying there may be someone who's looking to be a writer, and um, this gives that chance to say he's young, um, from Milwaukee, um, may have had his own experiences in a, I don't know, traumatic way, but at the same time, look at what he's doing and how he's able to shed some light on those experiences. Cool. I guess I would just add, um, I know we have some educators and uh, library media specialists here in the room, and what's interesting is when we uh, maybe talk, talk about uh, how do you select reading material? And maybe this is something to uh, to get meta about, you know, within your own classrooms to say, would you or would you not pick this book up and why? I mean, that's a rich conversation. Um, I guess the other thing I would say too, if we were looking at spaces and maybe the suburbs or whatnot, and uh, I'm going to turn around a bit. Um, I know students who would look at this, you know, both black and white, and say, this dude looks cool. You know, I want to find out more about what's happening with him on the cover. So, interesting perspectives. Uh, so, in your mind, you know, same thing for me. Uh, as I read it, I had all types of thoughts about man, major things and what you could do. You know, this should be and you could. But I'll hold my thoughts for my conversation with Frank. Uh, for you all, after reading it processing it and understanding Milwaukee education use the way that you do. Where do you see this book really going from here? What are some possibilities for Frank and this book? Well, um, one, initially you say like book clubs and things like that, being able to be read in middle high school spaces, that's the obvious. But I had a chance um, in October to experience the Milwaukee Film Festival. I'm a black council member for those, I don't, uh, Richard, if you are members of, I'm sorry, Black Lens, yes, Black Lens Council member, shout out to, uh, there's some people in here that are, and they're they're in this space. They're actually housed um, here in those studios, just so you know. Uh, but I had a chance to experience multiple films by um, just different genres, um, some very impactful, um, eye-opening films. And I saw uh, The Hate You Give. It was before it actually came out in the uh, theaters. 
And the author was there, he was sitting up there answering the questions that the staff, I mean, that, I'm sorry, that the audience was asking. But I literally saw Frank sitting there in my vision and saying, he needs to have this book become something like a short film. Uh, if, you, if you have not read it, and, or if you have read it, you would know what I mean, but there are so many things that jump out at you, I can definitely see it as a short film. And definitely, even one of my critiques for him was, I think you could elaborate on this and say more about it so the book could expand. Because there's so many topics where you're like, it could go further. So just those would be the two things. Even seeing the book even become bigger or uh, short film. Well, I'm going to be a little selfish in my response because I mentioned our uh, management development courses. And I have a lot of ideas of how I might want Frank to come in and talk to our young men. Well, definitely they give them a chance to read to definitely read the book examine different things uh, we have 12 guiding principles for our black latino male achievement among them brotherhood and love and social political awareness and they all have touch points with this book and then also just frank being from milwaukee being a young author you know going through the struggles to get published and everything that that entails he has a story to tell and he is like living you know, example that, you know, you can do this too, man. For our young men, that's invaluable. So I'm being a little kind of selfish for my own project, but then also that can go a long way. You know, with each one teach one and then spread it. I mean, Frank might inspire, you know, 10 more young writers, and then who knows what can happen after that. So that's what I'm thinking. Um, before you go, Dave, I was going to say, um, I had the chance to do that, be selfish. I had Frank, and he actually came in and spoke to the group after I read the book. And they were excited to get ready to meet the author from Milwaukee. This young black male, they, they immediately connected with him. And it was beautiful to see because they had questions prepared for him and everything. Um, it was great in the sense of even just meeting one need. And so there was a student in there that is, he's been in a lot of trouble, almost expelled from school. But I found out through Frank being there that he's also a writer. That's what he aspires to be. So he has all these short stories, and he's like, oh my god, can he read this? So he had Frank read it before he left the, the school that day. And then afterwards, he's giving me, he's still giving me all of these short stories. I'm like, hey, do you make sure he reads this? So uh, where Frank is, I got to make sure I give those to you. But he's still writing those stories, uh, just so you know. So I'll pass it on. <coughs> Paul alluded to before that there are some unexpected pieces in, in the novel um, that I think are really interesting and uh, could definitely be mined for a, a sequel might be too strong a word, but in the day and age of like fan fiction, I can see like if a class read this and then say, okay, what's the next chapter? You know, how can you use the themes that you've read about? Um, heck, how could you take uh, maybe a smaller character in the book, um, expand on that? You know, um, Omari has, a, has some siblings, um, a sister, so I think about even like gender, female, you know, what's her perspective in all of this? You know, during these events, what's sort of like the ultimate narrative from another character's perspective? You know, so you definitely play around with it, um, where you have students taking themes and ideas and then just, you know, adding their own remix yeah. to it if they wanted to. Gotcha. Well, I'm going to take a pause for a moment um, and 
give the audience a chance to ask any questions specific to you know, their areas of influence and their encounters, um, or anything that they said that you would like for them to you know, expand on or clarify. So we have you know, anyone who's interested in asking a question of the panel, um, raise your hands and I can come pass them back to you. Yes. Uh, I don't particularly have a question. I have a comment. Uh, I've worked at Ethan Out School for 24 years. So I, I understand everything that you're saying. And um, sometimes I will say, as a teacher, I, I will plant a seed and I wouldn't see that seed grow until 10, 15 years later. You know? So it's a thankful kind of job when you do it, you're actually in it, you're in that environment, but when you get a student come and approach you on the street and they want to tell you their story, and it's, it, that's when you get to the board, you know. So I'm just saying that, uh, and, and I'm thinking about a project that I'm going to work with now, so I do want to make contact with you two people, you know, after this. And uh, see how maybe you guys can assist me, and I can assist you. We didn't come here. We're just here to talk. This is for all three panelists. Uh, have either of you worked with any young people that have read the book, and can you tell us about their reaction to the book? So that was the seven-eight enrichment, and there's uh, thirty kids in that class, and. Like I said, I had there's a few that of course you go through that rebellious stage of oh she's reading the book I don't want to you know it's come it, it comes off as that and two of them would literally like lay their head down on the desk and I'm like and they're not listening uh, but there were a, there were moments in this book I'm telling you where they're like wait and they would of course interrupt me but at the same time <laughs> but I was just excited I didn't care I'm like they're engaged in something and they're actually listening. And it, it was just beautiful to see because every day I left them on a cliffhanger because that's the way Frank wrote the book where it's like, I can leave it right here. They're like, stay tuned for tomorrow. And they're like, no, it's not time to stop. You know, it was time to go. So I would on purpose do that. But their reactions, their moral conversations, it's an, it's, it pushes them to think about their own core values. What would you do in this situation? So I would strategically ask questions and uh, Frank is also still developing and almost uh, pretty much done with his study guide because there's some questions that you can definitely ask and get them engaged. So it's not just reading it, but asking them their responses to it. And they have some, the way that they think it blows your mind. So definitely when you say how the students react to it, it's uh, they connect. Even if they haven't gone through the specific situations, it's the challenge to their core values. Other questions? I work out this morning. I'm not trying to walk all around this morning. Um, my question is more so for Frank. Is he? He's coming up. He's coming up. So, this is my question. I'm just kind of rhetorical. Um, uh, so, Frank and the siblings, guess, well, given the names of the people that have read his older brother and younger sister. And my question is kind of. A Mars character to me, he's at a tipping point. You know, he has a traumatic event with the parents, and you know, his life turns upside down. And me and Kathy were talking about uh, the characters, the main characters, 
the older brother and the younger sister. And my question is, why do you choose on Mari's perspective to tell the story? Because if you could have very easily have told the story from the elder brother or from the younger sister. And from my perspective, he's a tipping point. I feel like, you know, if we're going to be BS, you have a I can see, uh, I can see students from each of those perspectives of all, of all children. But I think uh, the elder brother, to me, he was probably more, definitely more at risk. And I think that it would be interesting, this is, this, I don't know if it's not criticism, but I think it would be interesting to see the story from the elder brother's perspective as opposed to Omari, who's just kind of the tip of my heart. My kids are the elder brother. So, kept going to that, the gentleman at the end, I think it's just going to your point about maybe this book, you know, spinoffs, and you can tell, continue the story, you know, the New York continues to you can tell the story from a different perspective. So that's definitely what I mean. Definitely. I, I was going to say, I think, um, I thought, <laughs> <laughs> just give a response. I know Frank will have his own. But I love, actually, that he did choose Omari because a lot of the time we are focusing on um, the other brother and those that haven't read it have to read it. But um, we do focus on that, but then also seeing that one that is we, we tend to focus on the one that's struggling the most. But to see one who's like, I'm still going to try to, I'm still going to anchor, or see them come out on top, like I think that it's good to see that version as well. But I do agree. We need to see um, how Perry is as well in his life and all of his decisions and why. So definitely what Dean said as far as like seeing a different version, I would love to see that. But I'm, I appreciate the version of Amari for that reason. Because they need to see hope. They need to see that my circumstance doesn't uh, decide my life. Robin stole my thunder a little bit. But I will. <laughs> that, that is really kind of what I was going to say. I really appreciated that point of view because we tend to pathologize black and brown boys. Like they all struggle with these urban issues. But in my work, what I see is the majority of the young men are just good kids who are just looking for somebody to mentor them and to care about them and to take an interest in them and to engage them, that they're not really, really, really as as, as uh, hardened as we think they are, right? They're just kids, all right? So so I really did appreciate the fact that you had this person who's kind of at that tipping point who could have gone either way but really, really, really fought within himself to kind of make the right choices because to me, he, he reflected most of the young men that I actually do deal with. And uh, I'm gonna take this time to do a shameless plug. I mentioned the uh, mentors. Definitely need mentors. Every time I get a mic, I mention black Latino male achievement. We need mentors. So if you or anyone you know would like to mentor some young Milwaukee uh, young men, I would definitely love to hear from you. Thank you. Is there another question? And then we'll uh, thank you for the time. So all right. This is far back as I'm going. Young man. <laughs> okay, so how does this book relate to kids that are in like fourth or fifth grade exactly? <laughs> I um I don't know. I'm a little different in that um I I don't believe in like censorship. <laughs> and one thing I know is that a fourth and fifth grader in today's world of technology is exposed to a lot of things. And this book is not something that is like uh, tawdry or, or, or 
you know, unbelievably violent or anything like that. Like, I believe that someone as young as that can get something out of the book. The book is, is readable. I mean, it would be a challenge for someone that young in terms of syntax, but definitely in terms of what they know about the world, I don't think there'd be anything that would be too challenging for them. It can't be controversial in that way. It's like Frank wrote in a way where it touches the situation, but gives you just enough and then step back. So um, I would say one thing that I was dealing with as I read the book is the, the test words that are in it. So I didn't. I chose not to read it that way. Like the, I told them, I said there are cuss words in this book, um, but I'm going to skip over them. I'm just going to read it how I would talk. Whereas, <laughs> <laughs> no, there are some that will choose to read it that way, and that's a that's it's your decision on what you're going to do. But I do agree that there are some situations and things that our young people go through very early. And they're exposed to more than I probably have been as an adult. So it's a discretion thing, but at the same time, they know way more than you would put on or just choose not to talk about with them. We're choosing not to versus them. Well, <clears throat> got one minute, and that's combined. <laughs> is there any final comment that uh, is burning that you haven't said that you want to just walk away with? Regarding impact the book before we bring Frank up. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Ask the question. Ah, oh, you don't make me go. All right. Well, since y'all can't say nothing now, you take your question. I mean, just because I deal with kids, I'm kind of, I've been dealing with MPS for about thirty years. But I'm a, I'm a driver and a dispatcher who actually get all the phone calls from the parents and stuff. So my thing is, I notice a lot of people talking about the kids. How about the book going to the school for the teachers to read so that the teachers can understand the children that are coming from the situations like that. Maybe that'll help out too so that the teacher can get a better understanding of how the kids are coming into the classroom in a different situation than they're going through on a daily basis. And I'm sorry, I know you said we both talked about snapping because with STCM and thinking of we, we do this thing where if something is like on point, we give those props. It definitely, it needs to be done by adults. That's all I'm saying. All right. And cut. Let's go. Well, so very valuable. I would recommend for those of you who are in the room. We have no clue who's in the room outside the folks who we've invited within our networks. You don't know who's to your left, to your right. Uh, who you're rubbing shoulders with? Who actually passed you a bottle of water or talking about that cookie? So before we leave though, this evening, I just recommend that you network uh, outside of your normal network of individuals because we've got a room full of individuals here clearly who want to make a difference, who are making a difference, uh, in addition to just being here to support Frank. So one last time, let's give them a hand clap because they have to Work well so far? Well so far? Okay. Next up. Man alive. Alright. So, Mr. Frank Lewis is born and raised in this great city of Milwaukee by his parents, Willie and Regina Lewis. Frank attended Milwaukee Public Schools, graduated from Rufus King High School. Alright, stop all that nonsense. <laughs> 
completed his undergraduate studies in social work and currently is in his uh, program to complete his master's degree in social work uh, from the University of Wisconsin Milwaukee, anticipating graduation coming up in May of 2019. So without further ado, I'd like to bring up Mr. Frank Shame! 
So I'm like, all right, I guess I have to read it. And so I, I travel more often and move around, but I said, you know what? I've got the intention. We often say, I don't have time. It's like, mm, refashion that. I didn't make time. So it's important to me now because it's important to him. He's important to me. So I picked the book up on the plane. I started opening it up. And I'll be honest with you, I'll read a lot out of necessity, but I don't get to read a lot out of enjoying it. Anybody else like that? Am I the only one? Is anybody else? It's like, man, I got so many books. I, I gotta get to I gotta read that book. I gotta read it. But he actually convicted me to the point of saying, man, no, I need to read this book. And literally, from top to bottom, when I opened it up, it engaged me. You know, I'm on a plane and, you know, I'm not paying attention to my luggage and I gotta drive and get to the hotel and I'm trying to hurry up and get done training so I can get to my hotel room to read it and fly back. And I sent him a text. like, so what do you think? What's your favorite character? I said, get the characters here. This, you gotta do this, you gotta do this. Here's this thing, here's that thing. And I was glad that he did that, right? Which is the purpose of tonight, where you want to really, in so many ways, just transparently convince us to say, read the book, right? Because this is another way to really make an impact within the city of Milwaukee. Uh, but want to learn more about you, because not everybody in the room uh, knows about your story, but let's, let's start somewhat from the beginning. Where's your passion for writing begin? Man, my passion for writing. Uh, ever since I was a kid, I've always just been really good with creativity, imagination, just knowing how to put things together. I'm an only child, so most of my time was as a kid with my toys and action figures. And so I'd be in our basement reenacting different cartoon series, and my parents would be like, man, it sounds like there's six kids down in our basement. <laughs> It would just be me, but I just always had a really good imagination. Uh, There's a few people in this room that have known me as a kid and know, like, Frank, you're just a really good writer. So it's just always been something, uh, I guess, God has just really just, you know, provided me with. Uh, so I just started off early, uh, started writing short stories. Uh, and then my mom, she bought a computer. And she was like, you know, you can actually edit your stories and actually make book covers and all types of things. So. Uh, my mom kind of opened that door, my dad he just encouraged me, like, you know, one day you could be an author. Uh, so my mom still has a binder of like, all these short stories I used to write. And uh, I had cousins that would come by and stuff, they want to go play like basketball or do something crazy. They're like, man, this man want to sit here and write a story. But it was just, I just, I've always been passionate about writing. So. Right. I heard you say something, you said you were the only child. Yeah, so for the gentleman out there, I heard the mama and dad probably loved him, but he said, yeah, because Frank, you've got an older sister and younger brother. He's not a little kid, that's what I'm going to do. So he's the only child, so he was referring to the older brother and sister of the character of Omari uh, in the book. But with that being said, uh, you know, you talk about writing short stories as a kid and really looking at your path through life. Um, tell us about that path that really impacted you and gave you the inspiration for this story, Lamar. Because it's got some interesting circumstances in it. So is this book really loosely based on your life circumstance? Like, help, help me understand what this is about. Uh, a little bit. Um, my sophomore year, I was a sophomore at UW Milwaukee. And um, I was trying to declare a major. I couldn't really figure out what I wanted to major in. Um, in the process, uh, I had kind of gotten sick, and I thought it was just, uh, a common cold and actually end up uh, potentially being something a little bit more serious. So I had to take a semester off from school, and during that time, I had the opportunity to really write. And uh, I kind of was in this space of like, 
why do bad things happen to good people? Uh, why am I in this situation? And during that time, I was trying to find meaning to understand for why I had to drop out of school for a semester, why was I sick, why did I have to go back to so many doctor's appointments. Um, and in the midst of that, I noticed on Facebook, our peers, they express themselves heavily on Facebook, and Twitter, Instagram, uh, you know, they're venting and they're looking for an outlet to express themselves. And I'm like, I'm not the only person that has something going on in my life for other people. So I just sort of kind of use some of the situations that I know from other people and just from Facebook, <laughs> to be honest with you, and just kind of merge the story together uh, with these four young people who uh, have to band together in the midst of a tragedy. Uh, although it's fiction, a lot of people can actually relate to the fact of being uh, a young man, being the first college generation, being an older brother, being involved in negative things, being a little sister and having to sort of keep the family together. Or for my young ladies who may be in a relationship with somebody that's, you know, your mom doesn't really approve of. So, <laughs> so I just kind of merged all those things and, um, yeah, and that's how Omari came about, uh, just through me writing, just to express myself. Well, it's interesting because Everyone's talking about, man, this is a good book, and this, you've written short stories in the past, but you're technically a first-time author. Yes. yes. First-time author. Uh, and we glorify it. Oh, my goodness. You know, he's an author. He wrote a book, right, from a walk and all those great things that we heard. Uh, but walk us through the journey, uh, transparently, you know, high moments, low points, even throughout this process of, of writing a hard. And it's been a process. Uh, so how I got published was one of my professors uh, at UW Milwaukee. Uh, that's why I try to encourage young people the power of social networks is so important. You don't know who knows who. You don't know why making a connection with somebody is so pivotal. And um, one of my professors, I just would stop by her office hours, and you know I told her about the story I wrote, and she was like, "I'm a friend." As a publishing company in Atlanta, she was like, "You should." Send your manuscript. And I'm thinking, like, well, it's not that good. She said, no, send it. You don't know how good it is. And so that's how the door opened up. And um, after that, uh, I had to learn a lot on my own. I never had any coaching on how to be an author. I've never known an author locally. I've read books by Richard Wright, Walter D. Myers, people like that. I looked up to them, but I didn't know what it meant to be an author. I didn't know how stressful the process is with editing and having to deal with an editor and having to wait six months to get the manuscript back and uh, having to go back and forth with changes and stuff. And so uh, I had to be really patient. There were a lot of times when I thought it wasn't going to happen, uh, times where I'm like, forget it, I'm over it. <laughs> and so my mom and dad, they had to say, Frank, you got to be patient. So uh, I had to really just be patient and just trust the process. And uh, I've learned a lot. I've learned uh, sometimes, you know, your first edition is not going to always be all of that. You know, sometimes it's going to be a few little, you know, scratches in the mist, but if you can get past that and, you know, get to the story, um, you know, that's important. But also, uh, just learning how to brand yourself. I didn't know that as an author, you know, you publish a book and you think, well, what's next? And, um, you know, and after that, I sort of went on some book tours. I went to Atlanta and Memphis, and I'm thinking, like, well, that's what... I'm supposed to, I guess, travel and try to promote it, but uh, I noticed that 
I will sell the books when people want to read it. And I mean, some people might look at that like, hey, you get paid, you get the check or whatever, but at the end of the day, when you're an author, you're a writer, your goal is to inspire people, your goal is to strike conversations, your goal is for young people to read the book. So it kind of was like, I got to figure out how I can market myself and leverage myself so that people that are writers, readers, and young people that can really tap into this can actually read it. Uh, you know, just to tease you, you know, the fact <laughs> you supported me, but I mean, everybody has lives, you know, or whatnot, and um, some people still have a break, and it's cool, I appreciate the support, but it's not so much the money, it's more so as an author, you write to inspire, to strike conversations, to get young people motivated or older people, so uh, I had to learn all of that. I didn't, I don't know, I didn't know any of that, so it would have been cool if I had, like, a mentor to give me, like, author coaching one-on-one. But I didn't get that, so uh, it's a part of my journey. But I'm glad to have it, and I hope in the future I can definitely learn from a lot of the stuff that I've learned and potentially help other people. Um, it'd be really cool if I could, in the future, way in the future, <laughs> like get a publishing company and just help people and kind of just teach them the little stuff I've learned. Uh, I'm only 26, but uh, I learned a lot <laughs> at 26. Uh, some people. Learn uh, later in life. So, yeah. so you know, we heard the panel mention things that they could conceive coming out of this. You know, Omari book. You know, as well as you know, visions for what you could and should do. And we need to hear from you. You know, did you see this when you wrote the book first? Right? When you wrote this book, did you see? The impact of the possibility and where you are now? Nah, uh, <laughs> I didn't. I never would imagine I'd be sitting here on the couch of a studio in John Ridley, found in Milwaukee. I never thought I would have been, I would have traveled to Memphis and Atlanta and had a, been at the Wisconsin Historical Black Society. I never envisioned any of that. I just really was writing to express myself, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it feels good, it feels great, and um, you know, like I said, I'm 26, but for the longest, I've been searching for my purpose to try to figure out what is front of this birth to do, you know, this uh, is through my mom, I'm a, I'm a miracle child, so I'm like, well, God, you got me here for some reason, so what's the reason? So I've been in search for that, but um, in the future, I would love to keep writing more books. Um, I want to write more books that strike conversations, uh, especially in the perspective of young people. Uh, I would love to do some book clubs. People, schools or students want to do a book club, I'd definitely be down to do that and just sort of have a conversation with the youth and discuss some of the themes in the book. Uh, and um, I feel it would be nice. <laughs> I mean, some people have mentioned to me, like, I can see this as a film with the description that's in the book, so that would be nice too, uh, later down the line. And um, most importantly, I want people to buy it, but I want them to really put it in doors and avenues where it's going to get to the right people. Um, you know, you buy it, it's just collecting justice. Like, come on, we worry about it. Dave brought you in, um, Robin brought you in, and Clearly, uh, Paul has mentioned his intention uh, selfishly, 
which is actually still a good thing, uh, right? <laughs> to put you in for uh, what would you say to teachers, uh, you know, leaders of youth organizations, you know, what's your charge at the minimum, you know, or expectation of how this could be of, of impact? Um, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, this morning she's gone, but she called me and was like, We're having a youth summit today at 10 a.m. She called me yesterday, I'm sorry. She was like, We would love for you to come speak. I was like, uh, I'm an event tonight. She was like, But you ain't got nothing to do at 10 a.m. I, <laughs> <laughs> I said, Yeah, you know, I don't. And she was like, I have 75 youth. I'm like, 75 youth? And I'm like, Well, what do you want me to talk about? And she was like, Just your experience as being a young black man in Milwaukee, being an author. And literally, that happened today. I spoke to 75 youth, and wow, they were really just. Transform. A lot of them were asking me questions. They were asking, well, how did you become an author? How are you in the shape that you're in? How do you be resilient? How do you do these things? And they were like blown away. Uh, some of the students that I don't think typically talk were talking. And so they were really excited. They all um, went to take pictures with me and stuff. And they're just like, hey, you're an author. You're from Milwaukee. You're black. You know, you're born and raised here. Was, you know, they really related to me. Really well, and um, at, at the end, uh, people from different organizations were like, "When did you come speak to our youth?" And I, at the time, you know, I, I just did it because I wanted to do it, but I didn't think, you know, sometimes you do things and you don't think you, you know, you do it all that well. But you know, they were like, "Man, you really uh, can relate to our youth." And so I would just say the impact that I had, to, you know, this morning was like, "Wow!" So all my Teachers, educators, um, I think if you're looking for something that uh, is catchy, something that is uh, urban, I think you will like Omari. Um, when I was writing a book, I was trying to figure out, I said, well, kids of color, they like fairy tales, they like stuff, but and I'm not going to say kids of color, but the kids nowadays in general are going through a lot of stuff, and they really want to read something that they can relate to, that will inspire them. You know, they want to hear a spiritual, but sometimes they got questions, they want to know, how do I make it out of this? And so that was kind of the direction I went. So I feel Omari brings that element of realness, uh, you know, touching on trauma, depression, and uh, just me being in the social work field and just seeing uh, some of the young people I've encountered, you know, just in my field, um, I'm like, wow. So, yeah. And, and I think the young lady you were talking about, Ms. Madeline, yeah. so I ended up, she reached out to me and had a conversation, and she told me before she left, you, you mentioned 75, so maybe she was extra. She said, we just placed an order for eight books. Right. And so, <laughs> That you know, we just struck and she mentioned hey, spoke today and we, we ordered. So clearly there, there's an inspiration uh, that's attached to it you know, for people to come in and see you. But definitely you know, there's a major connection and relevance to them actually reading. Uh, and I think this makes it interesting to read um, because they can see themselves in it. Uh, and um, so I'll, I'll take a, a moment to stop here and open the floor up to any questions uh, from the audience for Mr. Frank Lewis. So, any questions for Frank? Uh, you asked the panel some questions. You better ask this young man some questions too. They said that he got the 
<laughs> Come on up. Now I'm going to ask this. Hello? So let's do this. In the spirit of community, you <laughs> hand it off to the person. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, Frank, what's up, man? Uh, I celebrate you, man. This is a major accomplishment. Um, I'm inspired by you and what you've done here in this piece. Uh, you've bared your soul uh, with this particular piece here. Uh, and I think our stories, man, especially the stories of young black and uh, brown men, need to be told. I think there's a boldness that comes with seeing uh, elements of your story written in a book. Uh, so I think, and I, I'm saying this, I'm speaking this right now, uh, that a lot of young men are going to be inspired uh, by reading this book. Uh, they're not going to no longer be ashamed about their story, but embrace it. And like you said, you know, trust your journey. Um, and I think that's something that we need to uh, remind our young black and brown men every day. Uh, so, as far as the question for this, so, you know, when I spoke to you personally, you talked about the journey uh, that you had to go through to stay focused uh, and to be committed to getting this book published. And I think that in and of itself is a testimony. So how did you stay focused when it came to saying, okay, should I just give up, forget it, you know, it's taking too long, this process is, is carrying out too long. How did you stay focused and what would be your advice to uh, other young men who are uh, on, a, on a similar journey? I think you, know, you have to have a strong support system. You have to have people that believe in you, uh, believe in your vision. Uh, and I just been a you know published author and had not had parents or people that were supporting me. I probably could have just given up, but they had to really push me and just say, "Hey, you can't give up." You know, uh, it's a process. And I've gone back and forth with the publisher and editor like about things, and they've had to explain like if we were an Ingram publisher, you know. We wouldn't even be counseling you right now. Like, you might wait eight months. So, you know, according to them, they were really, um, you know, fortunate to give me knowledge. But I just think that anytime you're a young author, I think people should explain stuff to you. Uh, I am a millennial, so you know, the stigma with us that we want everything like that. <laughs> and so, you know, sometimes when you don't have anybody, you know, explaining it to you, it kind of gets stressful. But um, I would just say, and also my faith. Um, and God is just um, holding fast and I think got me through. Second question, who's your favorite character in the book? My favorite yeah. character? Yeah. Uh, um, I'd say Peter actually. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. If you don't know who Peter is, you can read the book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, actually, I want to highlight one thing. Um, so I hired a photographer's name is Sean. He's not here today, but um, you guys see these picture reports. They, I wanted to give you guys a visual depiction of the characters. Um, this is Omari, this young man, his name is Miles Sai. He couldn't be here today. Uh, he's a Marquette student, but uh, this is enacting a scene in the book with his little sister uh, on your left. Uh, this is my little cousin, he has to leave, but he is enacting Perry. So this is Perry. Uh, and then Right here is the young girl, this is Omar's little sister Elizabeth with the teddy bear. She's enacting her, and then uh, behind you is Paris' girlfriend, Karina. So those are like four of the main characters um, in the book, and sort of just kind of give you guys a visual of what these characters might look like. So. Can I ask you back here? Do I have to go to the No. Nope. As far as I'm going to go to my face, you can do whatever you want to do. Congratulations as well. It's a huge accomplishment. You should be very proud of yourself to accomplish that at such a young age. 
And I guess uh, as a father, you know, as a son that's interested in the arts and things of that nature, now I'm going through this experience, what could you tell those very young people before they get started in the process, what they should do to get ready, what would be helpful to them uh, to make that journey down that long process of developing books or artwork? I would say develop your craft. Um, get with people that read books. Uh, get with uh, other authors. Get with English teachers. Get with librarians. Um, it's good to get other people's perspective. But when you have people that are doing those things 24/7, people that are avid readers, those are the type of people that can correct you and say, uh, you know, you need to elaborate more on this. You need to be more descriptive on this. So I would just say, enjoy it. Uh, you know, don't you know. I'm assuming that if they're in writing, they enjoy it. So I'm just saying, like, you know, just really use your imagination, be able to just create stuff, you know, just make sure that you don't just understand what other people can understand, you know, exactly the message that you're trying to get across. I think that's always important. Uh, sometimes we kind of write stuff that other people don't understand, and if other people can understand it, it's not going to get it's not going to get conveyed properly. So I would just say, really, just Practice your craft, enjoy your write every day. I don't write every day now because I'm in grad school, but, <laughs> but um, uh, we'll be on break in January, so I get plenty of, plenty of time to do that. So I have some new ideas that have been learned, but yes, just write. Um, if I could be a video for the future or anything like that, I could definitely give some advice. Um, but, Yeah. Uh, my question to you is that, so when you were writing the book, how do you know what message to give to your readers? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of feel like you may learn that in the end. Writing, I don't think sometimes when you start off writing a book, you may not know exactly what the end vision is. Um, when I wrote Omari, like I said, I was expressing myself and using those characters, and I was still trying to understand in my life why do things happen. And I had to learn that uh, sometimes things in your life happen to shape and mold you. Uh, they also can happen uh, to get your attention. Sometimes things in life happen to mature you. Uh, sometimes as young people, we have to learn to, uh, you know, we have to learn to grow up a little bit. And so I had to learn that. I had to learn about trials. Everything is not going to come easy. You know, sometimes we get discouraged. So I would say, really, when you're passionate about a story, you're trying to make it compelling, you'll develop what the message is that you want to get across. I think when you first start writing, you think of themes, you think of characters, you think about plots. But for me, I would say it came together around the ending of the book for me to figure out like really what the message is that I wanted to get across. I have another question. So, uh, if you could give advice to people that want to be authors, what would it be? My advice to people that want to be authors, I would say, uh, do it. Um, <laughs> That, but I'm just saying, like, you have to really do it. Uh, you have to get out there, you know, network. Uh, you're in college or you're in school, you know, teachers, you have to network, you have to talk to people, uh, you know, tell people your goals, your ambitions, your dreams, but also make sure, you know, like I was saying earlier, that whatever you're trying to convey, other people will understand. Um, 
And I would say, uh, it'd be good to have a coach. Because what happened for me, I kind of see it being destined in a way, a little bit, because the way it happened with me having to drop out of school for a semester and kind of figuring out what was going on with me and then me getting back in school and talking to my professor and then she's like, hey, I got friends, so it just all kind of came together. So I know traditionally publishing can be a monster. And um, probably for my next book, I might be experiencing that. <laughs> just trying to figure out how, how do you, you know, really get in, get in the door. So um, I would say, yeah, we need some more mentors and we need some more author coaches that can really help young people really navigate through those uh, doors. So I'll be looking for some too, man. <laughs>
and got it on Friday and sent it on Monday. Oh, can you sign my book? He goes, oh, I hope you read it. I said, I did. <laughs> He's like, all right. You told me you were an author. Why read your book? And I don't read a lot as much as I wish I could. Which is like, so I did read it right away, and that was really fun to see his reaction to that. But that said, so I happen to know because you mentioned to me that you had an upcoming speaking engagement that was on Monday. Okay. So of all of the things you've heard today, not what you expect, but what you've heard, what is something that you're going to bring to that speaking engagement? Good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say really just making sure that um I'm being relatable. I would say really calling in on those characters like Dean and Robin and uh, Paul were saying is that you know they're reading the book they can see a lot of young people sort of dealing with a lot of the situations in the book. Maybe even talking about the differences between siblings. I know um, Mr. Hassan raised the point about a lot of people being younger, I mean, being older brothers and how that's important. But on Monday, from everything I've learned, I just feel like just being transparent, you know, and just being honest and trying to make it in a way that's still fun. You know, when you're working with kids, you don't want to come off too serious, but you still want to make sure that they can take something from them. So, if that answers it, for sure. <laughs> Good. I'll take a couple more questions. So I have a hand all the way right in the back. Okay, so here and there. And we've got one. Okay. Oh, there. Oh. She gave it that soft yet so firm hand I just had a, one question. Um, what were your uh, fears? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, my fears were are people gonna understand this? Is the writing good? Uh, who is Omari? Does does Omari relate to me? Uh, is it written good? Um, and through that process, you know. Like I said before, I think Omari is a good book. I'm not going to be honest with you, it's not a perfect book. With me being a first time publisher and working with the editor, uh, there's some things that could have been changed. But I think if you can read the story, as a lot of people have said, it's been a lot of young people are relating to it. So I think um, that's the part that really encouraged me that the story got across to people. People are having conversations. I've had conversations with young people. And they're like, man, I can relate to this. Um, I was, for example, a young man I have on here. I've known him as a kid, but I hadn't seen him in years. And um, he was like, man, I can relate to Omari. I am Omari. So when he told me that, I'm like, hmm. So that's why I used him as a picture uh, for But I think when the younger people really started reading it and they really could relate to it, I felt confident about it. Hey Frank, um, I just had kind of a question a bit about your writing process. Um, uh, just curious, how did you put all the words down on paper? Like, are you the type of person that comes up and just has an idea, oh, you I gotta find something to write down on, or somebody that puts a lot of planning in before you write, or just how did you go through the process of putting the book 
well, I had a lot of time, uh, like I was saying, in my sophomore year, I had to drop out for a semester um, to figure out what was going on with me health-wise um, and things of that sort. And so uh, I had a lot of time on my hands. And so I just, for some reason, I was just inspired to write. And I just got in there with and started writing. And like I was saying, I used to write all the time. But when I got to high school, I stopped writing. I didn't think it was cool anymore. I thought it was, you know, kind of a thing. Like, mm -hmm. And so I was re-inspired. And so I'm like, let me see if I still have the off that I used to have. Do I still have the ability to convey a story? So it took me about uh, probably like October to about January to kind of get done with everything. Um, just as far as the story. So yeah, that's a few months. But like I said, I had a lot of time on my hands. Now it's difficult because <laughs> I'm in grad school. I have an internship. A lot of stuff, so I don't have enough time to really sit and write. So I think I am that type of person that needs time. I need silence. Like I can't be like too busy. I have ideas, but I can't put it down on paper. So. And up here. And coming up soon, uh, if you get here at the end, we're actually going to wrap off a couple of books, and we only have a limited amount left because they've been going. I'm just asking how many are left. So uh, if you got your wrap tickets, if you don't. Uh, before you ask the next question, raise your hand if you don't have a raffle ticket. So, for those of you who've got the raffle tickets, if you can grab a couple more and come over to the side and make sure that, raise your hand again so that they can know who does not have a raffle ticket before raffle off. Alright. So, give a little workout, keep those arms up as they come around and make sure you get it. Okay. Alright, next question. Black young man and been part of our family, he's been inspiring to others, he's been a mentor to my son, and they stay in contact and try to keep him encouraged. So I appreciate that. And I also would like to know, due to the fact you were blessed to have both your parents grow up in the same household and you got the chance to get the input from both your mom and your dad, would you have some, done something different with your character had you actually lived that particular life? That's a good question. Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, I think maybe with me living the life that maybe more so in the book period kind of went through, um, I didn't necessarily live that life, but I knew people that did, and so that's why I was able to kind of write from that experience. Um, like I was saying with Facebook, <laughs> uh, people really meant, but on a serious note, me being in the social work field, we just seeing the lives of young people and seeing the things that they're going through on a serious note, it kind of like opened my eyes to tapping into that character. So, had I lived the life, yeah, it probably would have changed my perspective on writing. Um, yeah. Thank you. All right, was there a question? Yeah, I have a question. Congratulations, Frank. And I, I haven't had the opportunity to read your book yet for the first but I will. I look forward to reading it. And I'm glad that you have created such a book that will help other young black women. And I'd like to invite you to the Milwaukee Writing Circle, where we have monthly meetings and uh, critiquing and education and live more life. So we've been in existence for eight years. So we can be that coach 
if you need that mentor as far as writing. As far as writing, I say, practice. Just like Michael Jordan or any other athlete, they have to practice their craft. So practice, just like but also just one thing I wanted to say, if you guys want to like read a little bit more, learn, learn, learn a little bit more about the story, I actually did an interview recently through Milwaukee Independent on the Summer website, so I'll um, feature story. So if you go on their website, you can read a little bit about the interview, uh, maybe get some answers to some questions that you can give to them. First of all, let's give them a hand clap and give them a Thank you for the and sister, Mesa, and Kevin from Studios. Let's give them a round of applause. Let's give them a round of applause.